Hey, Kevin. Yeah, Rebecca. Where are we right now? We are in our new digs. Our new digs. Yeah, this is something. We cobbled together a studio in our home Mm -hmm. in a cedar closet. (laughs) (laughs) I'm actually, not that it's, I know it's radio and you can't see, but I'm going to, I can put one hand on this wall and one hand on that wall. So it's a wingspan wall. You look like Michael Jordan, the cover of Sports Illustrated. Yeah, I'm sure, exactly. We are very proud to uh, open our brand new studios, put together with some of your support, actually, because, you know, over the months, even way before we got sponsors for this show, we did have your help. You gave us some PayPal donations. You shopped with us on Amazon.com using mm-hmm. the link at CrimeWritersOn.com. And all of that direct support, what it goes to pay for is the equipment that we need to make more shows. And we're working on some new podcasts, aren't we, Kevin? We are. And we need some more uh, sound proofing <laughs> around. I'm looking around. You really do. It's, it's, yeah, it's kind of patched together. So, it, hey, it's a work in progress. Oh, and one other thing we need? Yeah. An electrician. An electrician, <laughs> we do. Sketchy series of extension cords. It is hot as hell in here. Are those incandescent? No, they're fluorescent. They, we got to get some LEDs. The heat, they're kicking off. We're going to die. So we do want to thank you, our listeners, for your support over these past few months and ask you for a little more support because, you know what? We're going to die of heat stroke and we might die in a horrible electrical fire if we're not able to finish electrical work in this studio. So, Kevin, if people do want to support the podcast, how can they do it? Uh, well, there's a couple of ways. They can go to PayPal mm-hmm. at our website, crimewriterson.com, or they can just do the thing they've been doing all along, and it's very easy. And you go to our Amazon link at crimewriterson.com. It takes you to Amazon, and you just buy the stuff that you would normally buy anyway. It doesn't cost you anything more. Nothing gets tacked on to you, your bill. We get a little fee for you doing that, and it's really helped us out and really helped us to buy well, we have two microphones, not enough uh, soundproofing yet, but uh, <laughs> we do have a 100-foot Ethernet cable, so it's coming together. It is coming together. It's a little bit jerry-rigged, but not so bad. So what do you say we like do something towards you know buying that third microphone and have Toby read some of the items that were purchased by our listeners at Amazon USA, Amazon UK, and Amazon Canada through our link at CrimeWritersOn.com. All right, Kevin, roll it, because you've got buttons. I could touch every button in here. <laughs> is, this the, is this the button right here? Don't, don't touch that. You know what? I'm just going to roll it. Prairie Dog Pet Products Deer Antler Treat Birkenstock Gizay Burko Floor Thong Buxom Show Some Skin Weightless Foundation, SPF 30. Almond the Nude. Neutral Beige for Tan Skin Tones, 1.5 ounces. Louise Malus. 26 inch, 65 centimeter, gold long braided pigtail anime cosplay fancy party costume full wigs. Think Geek Canned Unicorn Meat. I'm Rebecca Lavoy, and this is Crime Writers On, the podcast about a podcast and also about journalism, pop culture, true crime, and occasionally other podcasts. Today, we'll be responding to two listener voice memos that got us talking this week. One is about the importance of endings, and the other was a plea for us to share some of our podcast and media picks of the moment. So joining me now to tackle those two tasks is my true crime co-author and real-life husband, Kevin Flynn. Hello, Kevin. And I'm like your real-life roommate here inside our new closet. Studio C. Studio C, I like that. Stands for closet. Stands for closet. (laughs) Or Studio B, basement. Yeah, closet's a little more depressing, and that's a little more accurate, I think. And also with us... I feel us- like I have to put the lotion on my skin. Uh-oh. <laughs> and also joining us is journalist, true crime author, former defense investigator, and licensed private investigator, Laura Bricker. Welcome back, Laura. Thank you. And also with us is our favorite devilish devil's advocate, crime and noir fiction writer, Toby Ball. Welcome back, Toby. 
Thanks. So before we get started with our planned topics, we did get the sad news today that pop icon, rock and roll icon, soul icon Prince passed away. And um, Laura and Toby, I have something to ask you guys. And basically what I want you to do is without knowing who was on which side, maybe this is a good time for you to settle a long-term marital dispute that Kevin and I have related to Prince. You get to be Prince. marital referees. Marital referees. Okay, oh, are you boy. guys ready? The song Purple Rain. Is it a great song or a not-so-good song? What do you guys think? Laura, how about you? I'm going to incur a lot of wrath for this, but it's a, it's a not-so-great song. I'm not a, I wasn't a huge Prince fan, but I can see how people liked him. What about you, Toby? Now, I'm not talking about Prince in general. I'm talking about the song Purple Rain. Purple is it Rain. A, is it a great song? Purple Rain. Or a not-so-great song? Am I supposed to be answering it as, like, 12-year-old me or, like, now me? <laughs> uh, I think that you How can... do you usually answer these questions anyway? As 12-year-old you? <laughs> I, you know... It's not in my uh, list of top 10 Prince tunes. Mm. Who thought it was great? I think it's great. And I think it's great more for the performance than for, you know, the actual like composition of the song. Very much in the way, by the way, that I think Halo by Beyonce is a great song. Is it her most like interesting song? That's a song? whole other marital dispute. It is. Is it her most interesting song? No. But the performance of the song is amazing. And that's how I feel about Purple Rain. I think. Prince was a great artist. I think he had some great songs. I mean, I think Kiss, Pop Life, Raspberry Beret, 1999, all great stuff. Purple Rain, that one song, I mean, I just think there's like no melody to it. The chords are boring. It's interminable for you. It, Yeah, it, there's no like change in dynamics. It's just, and then he gets to the part where he's, yeah, 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 where it does, you know, it's not like. <laughs> It's not like Paul McCartney in the middle of Hey Jude going, yeah, yeah, he just, uh, and let's not even get started on the movie. Oh, I mean, talk about a movie where a guy slaps his girlfriend, and then it's just like, they don't even talk about it, just kind of like, <laughs> just yes. move on from there. My goodness. Doesn't he force her to like swim nude in some frigid lake? <laughs> Yes. It's got a great soundtrack. Great soundtrack, deeply flawed movie. Deeply flawed movie. And Kevin, by the way, can do the Morris Day and the Time dance. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna, I was about I, to say, I would, that's the best part. I would do it here in the studio, but I'd kick over these stools. One other thing that I wanted to ask you guys about, Tannis made its surprise second season drop this week. Uh, Laura and Toby, have you listened to the first episode of the second season of Tannis yet? How about you, Laura? I haven't even had time. It has been a crazy week, so no. Uh, I haven't yet, but I am excited to. All right, listen to it, and then we can talk about it. Well, speaking of Tannis, it is arguably a good story or a great story, depending on who you ask. And on this podcast, we look at shows like Tannis, as well as popular crime programs and other things that people are watching and listening to. But in real life, as you know, not everything gets tied up neatly in a bow. And I want to kick off the first half of our show by going to London, on the audio landscape anyway, and hearing from Richard, a listener who seems a little bit frustrated about where some Someone knows something is going. Uh, the podcast we talked about last week. He wanted to vent a little bit about the nature of endings. So I'm just going to play his voice memo and then we're going to talk about it. Hello, crime writers. It's Richard here in London. I really wanted to talk today about endings. You touched on this in the last episode. I think that endings are an intrinsic part of telling a story. And if you don't have an ending, you shouldn't tell the story yet. I think the reason that so many people enjoyed the jinx and the staircase and making a murderer was because they have a finite ending. I don't think it's a coincidence that those were all TV shows because I don't think anybody would dream of commissioning a TV show or putting out a TV show that didn't have an ending. And with podcasting, because of the low budget nature of it, it seems like people are fine to just put out something without an ending. And, you know, you're generally philosophical take on life in the context of everything you've learned on your journey is not an ending. You know, when we're kids, you know, gather around, we'll tell you a story uh, once upon a time. We don't stop the story halfway down the yellow brick road with Dorothy and the stick man and the bloody tiger. We, we, we know where they're going to get to. And we don't just say, oh, well, uh, that's it. You know, hopefully the tin man will show up on the intercept at some point and give an interview that reveals something about the story we didn't know. And I'm feeling like someone knows something is going the same way. Like we're going to end up again without an ending. If you don't have an ending, then this is just some guy, no matter how articulate or well done the podcast is, it's just some guy out in the woods for eight hours walking someone else's fucking dogs. And who wants to listen to that? I don't. Anyway, thank you very much for everything as always. And uh, have a great day. 
All right. First of all, Laura, would you like to comment on the way that Richard phrased his voice memo? I know that you had some thoughts about that, right? I loved it. <laughs> it, it I, had, I had great fun listening to it. I, I kind of sitting here today. I've had kind of a really busy week and I listened and I had a little laugh and said, I like that guy. <laughs> I like that guy, too. We actually have gotten a bunch of voice memos from people in the UK and Australia in the last couple weeks. It's been pretty cool. Yeah. I just wonder in, in the uh, the UK version of Wizard of Oz, was it a cowardly tiger? <laughs> because he was talking about, you know, the, it was a fucking lion by the way, Richard, not a fucking tiger. (laughs) All right. Well, I guess this is the question. And Toby, I'm going to start with you. The essential difference between real-time podcast investigations, like we're hearing and someone knows something, and traditionally crafted mainstream journalism, you know, radio stories, uh, newspaper series, podcasts are kind of rolling the dice that their stories will have a satisfying ending. Does the format of a podcast make you need that in order for it to be successful? No, not necessarily. I listened to this earlier in the day and given it some thought. The difference for me between Somebody Knows Something and Serial Season 1, and it was really driven home because I've been listening to uh, the second season of Breakdown. Yes. Mm, yeah, really which, good. Yeah, Which is really good. But I, I think both Serial and Breakdown, they both had stories that they had to tell regardless of whether they were going to come to a resolution, right? So, you know, it, it isn't necessary to know necessarily, if I can say necessary another couple times, mm-hmm. um, whether Adnan's guilty or innocent, to have it be a compelling story, right? You follow the case such as it is, you you kind of take apart Jay's story about what happened, you look at different pieces of evidence. And then in the breakdown, and this isn't really a spoiler, I don't think, but a guy leaves his kid either on purpose or by accident in a hot car and the kid dies, you know, so you've already got this story and they're looking into different things about this guy's life and the the route that he took and his relationship with his wife and different things. So that you already have this story. So whether it comes to a resolution or not, you have a story there. I think what somebody knows something, there may not be a story. I mean, the story may be they went to this lake, a kid wandered off, he drowned. But here's my question about Serial Season 1, though. Don't people who think that Adnan Syed is guilty, people who are like very sure of it, don't they also think there was no story there and this was just an investigation that really didn't go anywhere or shouldn't have gone anywhere? I mean, you, you said that that was a story that was, you know, worth looking at. And I'm curious to know, because I know that you weren't the most, you know, pro Adnan as innocent person in our show. What do you think made that story worth unpeeling that the story and someone knows something, you know, doesn't quite rise to that level for you? Like, what was it about the serial season one story for you that was the most compelling thing that, that you liked to hear about? I think sort of structurally, there was a narrative that was already there, right, which was Jay's description of what happened. So you can kind of, with that as your base, you can kind of examine different parts of the story, the cell phone evidence and, you know, whatever, the rigor mortis and what different people say about when they interacted with Jay and Adnan during that time. So there's this timeline that you're kind of going through and, and checking. And so there's a story without needing to have a resolution. Whereas with somebody who knows something, there isn't like a timeline laid out there really that is very compelling beyond this kid disappeared and it would be great to know what happened. See, but I I think that's sort of the problem that we were articulating last episode when we were talking about our fear of what somebody knows something with the direction the season's going. Someone knows something, not somebody knows something. Someone knows something. (laughs) That we like the narrator and we like his skills and the reason why we're not turned on about the story is that we actually fear there's no satisfying ending that you know if adrian just fell into the lake and drowned then that's not really a good ending and we're anxious about that serial season one didn't really have an ending i mean it had an ambiguous ending but because of the fact that it wasn't a solid definitive ending it spun off all these other podcasts where people investigate and they look at the legal stuff and to some lesser extent where we keep going because there wasn't a real defined ending now you can have an ambiguous ending and sarah did a great job with that in serial season one there's another thing when you are listening you think this isn't going anywhere like perhaps the maura murray podcast or perhaps you know, SKS. So I I think that endings are important. Well, here's one other question I have for you, Laura, because I think that talking about like, is there any there there? 
Serial was approached from somebody who is a trained, seasoned journalist. You know, she's somebody who I assume, and I think that she actually said this in the podcast, spent a great deal of time looking into the story and deciding if there was something there worth reporting. You know, she didn't just like pack up her bag, head to Baltimore and start the podcast the week that she started poking around into the story. Do you think that's what makes the difference between, you know, whether or not there's something there there and whether or not an ending can happen? The fact that a reporter has actually spent time, you know, months and months of time looking into it before starting to then, you know, broadcast what it is that they're finding out? Yeah. And that's actually what I was I was kind of thinking about that with someone knows something, because it seems like you said they just sort of went out there and started. And I think you could have a more compelling story if you sort of researched it ahead of time, fleshed out all the angles kind of laid out where you were going to go with the story and then went and started recording and putting things in place. I mean, I loved the dog episodes last week. I was like, seriously, I was more interested in this town where nobody lived than I was in what was happening with the story last week. So it seems like he just sort of went out and it's sort of like a travel log almost now that we're following along with. But I don't really feel like the narrative is moving along like I hoped it would. But I think that that could be different if he had ahead of time kind of plotted it out a little bit more in terms of researching where he might go with the story. You know, and I was thinking if there was like some other suspect characters on the sidelines in the story or something else to sort of up the suspense and sort mm-hmm. of up the mystery of it, I think that would have pulled it along a little bit more as well. Rebecca, I think your your initial question I think was actually a very good one. And it's like, let's talk about the difference between a broadcast, a podcast, a newspaper series put on by mainstream traditional media and a lot of these other podcasts which may not have the Atlanta Constitution Journal to have the backing of that newsroom smaller operations you know that are run and gun you know what is the difference especially if you're doing this in real time and you're right there is some of this kind of like flying by the seat of your pants with your fingers crossed that this is going to turn out to be something worth listening to and that will catch on You know, if we turn back the clock 15 years, traditional media, when they had a story like this, they would look into it and probe it. And maybe there's nothing there and they end up dropping it or maybe they start pulling back the different layers of the onion. And then we would see the finished product. And there seems to be a a real move. And it's not a bad move, but it can be very tricky where we're doing this in real time and you're following people's investigations or they're reporting in real time. And not just like serial real time, and I'm using my finger quotes in that. Yeah, because it's not really real time. No, they've been working on this for a year. It becomes real time as they start rolling it out. Mm -hmm. And then there are outside influences that change maybe the course of a narrative or a, a certain thread. But, you know, for the most part, I guess I would say mainstream media, traditional media, they have the resources and the personnel and they could take their time and let it flower. Right. And also know whether or not it's a weed. Laura, are you listening to Breakdown by the Atlanta Journal-Constitution? I am not. I don't know. The subject matter in the second season seemed a little tough for me. Okay. I think that's a very interesting project. It's charting on the iTunes charts now, so I'm going to bet that at least some of our listeners have listened to it. Last season, uh, Bill Rankin, who's the reporter, and we should say the Atlanta Journal-Constitution is like a real newspaper. Like, it's like a Good. Yeah, it's on print. It's like, no, but it's like, it's not like... they got a um, big newsroom. Yeah. They're very aggressive enterprise reporting. Right. Yeah. It's not like a weekly... It's a real newspaper. It, they put a lot of resources and time into their reporting. And what I think is really interesting about this season, and Toby, I'd love to hear your take on it since you're listening to it, is, you know, last season, they looked at what very well could be a wrongful conviction case. And, you know, he... Bill Rankin, the reporter who does break down, took apart every single piece of the investigation and the trial to show that it may or may not have been a wrongful conviction. And I think he made a very compelling case that whether or not the guy did it or not, he didn't get a fair shake because things are just broken in Georgia, which is like why the podcast is called Breakdown, because there's all these breakdowns in the system. This is a very interesting season because he's recorded the meat of the podcast, sort of the narrative stuff where he's showing all the breakdowns in the system before the start of the trial, which I think is kind of gutsy because there is a worry. I know there's like hand wringing a lot in newsrooms about reporting before a trial and, you know, maybe talking about potential breakdowns because you don't know the trial hasn't happened and you don't know what the outcome is going to be. What do you think of the season so far? I think the season has been really good. Again, I think part of it's choosing what case you want to look at. But this case, there's just there's a lot of questions. And I think there's it's really high stakes 
as to whether this is like a just a terribly tragic accident or whether this guy is just a really cold, calculated sort of killer. Or a cold, so calculating guy who had a terrible accident. Yeah, I mean, he, he's obviously, he's not morally upstanding in all ways. But I think for me, if nothing else, is kind of an interesting experiment because a lot of people I think will then be kind of focused on the trial and that then becomes like sort of a second part of the podcast. I, I, you may not be podcasting it, but it kind of takes on a life of its own afterwards the way, you know, the whole serial thing did with people kind of, jumping in and doing their own investigating. But in this way, instead, you're going to be watching the trial with a pretty strong basis of knowledge and probably some investment in what the outcome is going to be. Well, I think that, you know the format of this is actually about as, as real time as you can get. The first five episodes, right? you get the whole background, and it sounds very much like Breakdown Season 1 or Serial. But now they've gotten to the point where they're impaneling the jury and then the rest of the podcast season, which who knows how long it's going to go, we assume is going to be a weekly recap of the trial. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be very much like the news. But, you know, it, it may not just be like a half hour recap of testimony. He might also go into talking with experts who are outside of the courtroom like he has been. But we're going to have an ending in this. It's going to be yeah. guilty or not guilty. I mean, or a hung jury or whatever. But there will be an ending to satisfy the well, narrative. There will be an ending to this part of the case. I mean, certainly yes. whatever the ending might be, there might be an appeal if, you know, if he's convicted or, or whatever. Right. And if we know Ross is acquitted, well, he still has all all those child pornography and other sex charges that are coming up. I mean, if you haven't listened to Breakdown, there are a couple of points that are really tough. And if you're a parent, some of it can be difficult. But if you push through that, it is a really fascinating case. He picked a good one. I think what I want to transition into, you know, we're talking about, you know, the importance of endings. And I think we all know that one of the worst things that can happen to you if you're a media consumer like me is you've spent years and years and years watching a beloved television show and then either it gets canceled or just comes to the end of its run and, you know, they have to do that finale episode or there's no finale because like it suddenly gets canceled and there's been no warning. And I'm wondering if you guys have any examples of things that ended that were either perfect or just tragically disappointing and maybe like ruined the whole series for you and tainted the whole experience. Uh, Laura, do you have any TV situations like that that have happened in your life? Yeah, you know, and I was thinking about this show because the music in Someone Knows Something, they've got that kind of creepy music in the background. Um, it's Twin Peaks and it is now on Netflix. So I started rewatching it again. I remember when that first came out, I was addicted to that show. But what happened in that was, you know, in the second season, and this is a spoiler if anyone hasn't watched it, but they revealed who the murderer was like halfway through the season. And then the FBI guy, the special agent who was investigating, ends up getting like possessed by the devil at the end of the series. And they didn't renew for a next season. So it ended in (laughs) such a way that it left everybody like, what happened to that guy? Oh, he's, he's possessed by the devil uh, or the demons or whatever. And, you know, good luck. And that was a series that was just so compelling. It really dragged you along. And there was just all these strange characters and really interesting show. And then it kind of fell flat at the end there. What about you, Toby? Any uh, TV shows with spectacularly, memorably awful endings come to mind for you? Well, I was, I was going to talk about Twin Peaks, too, but I... Uh, Laura stole your thunder. Oh my <laughs> God. Damn it. Talk about Dallas. You know, but I didn't even get all the way through season two. I kind of felt like there are a couple series that, to me, kind of went a season too far. And I think for Twin Peaks, even season two was a season too far. Hmm. I kind of felt like it went off the rails a little bit. And I kind of felt that way about Weeds, which I liked for the first couple seasons, and then I kind of felt like that went off the rails a little bit. There's not a whole lot of shows that I've watched most of the episodes. And then a finale, I think Seinfeld is probably the one. And I thought that was like sort of tremendously lame. Mm-hmm. The one episode um, at the end, yeah. Yeah, I, where they, you know, they go on trial for some kind of uh, Good Samaritan thing. Yeah, because they're horrible fun. people, right? Yeah. <laughs> right. They were pulling up these witnesses And you're like, oh, yeah, it's that person for that episode or that person for that episode. But it wasn't really funny. Mm -hmm. And then the ending, which is them just like kind of hanging out, talking in a jail cell like they did in Jerry's apartment. I remember that being essentially like a clip show. And then, you know, the the great big buildup was they had this hour long clip show before it. So it's like you'd already seen all the clips. Maybe if you're going to look at it like thematically or something, which seems crazy for Seinfeld, that it, it might have wrapped a few things up. But. 
you know, that, that seemed... It was you, not a laugh riot. You didn't like the ending. I think that's the answer, yeah. <laughs> was there anything, Toby, that for you ended really well and like upheld the legacy of your enjoyment of it? The 2003 NCAA tournament in Syracuse <laughs> Championship. What do you think, Kevin? All right, spectacularly horrible endings to a series that you loved. Not horrible ending, but disappointing because it just didn't come back with Deadwood. Oh, yeah, that's right. Uh, I don't know if it was after three or four seasons. Four seasons, and then it just stopped. It just stopped, <laughs> yeah, and it kind of like left some things up in the air, and it felt like they were coming back for a fifth season. Maybe a television historian will set me straight, but it just seemed like they weren't expecting to not come back. Mm -hmm. And, you know, my second biggest disappointment would be the Mm X-Files because it felt like they all of a sudden said, oh, you know, got the word, we're halfway through the season. This is the last season. Wrap it up. And they jammed something together for the last two episodes. Okay, so my uh, disappointing ending, if any of you care, I think, for me, the greatest science fiction show in the history of television, for me, now keep in mind, I'm a huge Star Trek fan, Battlestar Galactica. I was hugely... Hugely invested in that show from the first opening scene of that show. Listeners, if you've never watched the series Battlestar Galactica, the reboot that came out, I don't know, like 10 years ago or whatever. Oh, the reboot? Yes. It I is. I you're talking about like Lauren Green. Oh, no. my God. Toby, did you watch the rebooted Battlestar Galactica? I didn't. That didn't have the dog Daggett, right? <laughs> no, it did not have Daggett. And that Twinkie. Was, that was Buck Rogers, right? Buck Rogers with Twinkie. Beedie, Beedie. Daggett was Battlestar Galactica, okay. the one from the, the 70s. original Battlestar And Lauren Green had that huge medallion that he would wear. <laughs> <laughs> it was the 70s. It was the 70s. Okay, well, in the reboot, they sort of revamped the whole thing. It was very dark. Starbuck was a woman in the reboot. Uh, it's it was just, gritty. super gritty. Had a lot of lens flares. The cast was amazing. It was a great show. A great show. Very, but... very creative. The storyline was incredibly imaginative. And then the whole last season was kind of like weird. And then the last episode for me, made it so I can't even watch reruns from the oh. earlier great seasons anymore because all I can think about is how it ended and it for me was so horribly disappointing. They tried very hard to put a neat bow on it and it just did not work. Like nobody bad. ever said, that was a really delicious apple except for the last bite where I found half a worm in it. <laughs> I thought you would say My So-Called Life. My So-Called Life is my most disappointing, only had one season show. Yeah, never came back. Yeah, Never came back. And you know what? We've been watching My So-Called Life. Toby and Laura, I don't know if you ever saw it. It came out in the 90s, starred the 15-year-old Claire Danes at the time, who was amazing in that show. And Lily's 15. We said, you got to watch this. Yes. And I do believe, by the way, that Sarah Koenig completely cribbed her narration style for Serial from (laughs) Angela's uh, in-head narration in My So-Called Life. If you watch one episode of My So-Called Life, you'll know exactly what I mean. The writing for inside Claire Dane's character's head sounds exactly like the narration in Serial. Does that Um, mean uh, uh, Dana is Rayanne? (laughs) Rayanne Graff. Yeah. Yeah, Who's Jordan Catalano? (laughs) That's what I want to It's Ira Glass, obviously. I was disappointed that show didn't come back and watching it, and it really holds up, except for the 90s fashion and the 90s soundtrack to it. It completely holds up. So, guys, uh, Toby and Laura, I recommend if you haven't seen My So-Called Life, it's a one-season show. It's low investment, Toby. You should check it out with your daughter when she turns 15. Okay. So I'll put it on the list. You know, the one thing that's, like, really bad when it, like, ends, like, when you don't expect it is, like, when you go to the post office and they close early. <laughs> but now with Stamps.com... You can turn your PC or Mac into your own personal post office that never closes. <laughs> All right, everybody stop. That's a B plus. B plus. That's pretty good, Kevin. Yeah. I, I don't I don't know. I kind of feel like it was the ending of The Sopranos there. It just kind of like... It didn't go black for, for <laughs> eight seconds. I kept talking. All right, go ahead. Finish this ad. Well, look, you can buy official U.S. postage uh, for any letter or package using your computer or printer, and then you just hand it to your mailman, stick it in your mailbox, throw the flag up, and you never really have to go to the post office again. Do you know in our region, Rebecca, about 35% of businesses are considered micro-businesses, micro-enterprises. It means they have fewer than nine employees. So super small businesses. Like our business. Like our business. <laughs> How, that, that, people who are not related to each other. Okay. Okay, so super small businesses. And so they're watching expenses. A lot of people, when you think about it, you work for one of these businesses. And if you go into the, the mail area, they have one of those postage machines, which is like a wood chipper for envelopes. Like you're going to get your cuff of your shirt caught in it, and it's going to like put a stamp on your hand. Those are really expensive. And if, if you have a business, that is a very expensive thing to rent. To lease, yeah. To lease, yeah. plus the ink and the postage. But if you suggest that the boss check out stamps.com, 
You save all sorts of money on doing the stuff that you do anyway. You don't have to go to the post office. You don't have to spend all that money on those big machines. So right now, you can sign up for Stamps.com and use our promo code CRIMEWRITERS for this special offer. It's a four-week trial plus $110 bonus offer, which includes postage and a digital scale. I used it this weekend to send out some books, hardcover, softcover. For our micro-enterprise. For our micro-enterprise. <laughs> it was so easy. Really micro. <laughs> I didn't have to go to the post office mm-hmm. and say, well, how many stamps do I put on this? I knew exactly how much because I had a great scale. So don't wait. Go to stamps.com. And before you do anything else, you click on the microphone at the top of the homepage and you type in crime writers. Let them know that you heard about it here. So go tell the boss, even if you don't run that small business. If you do, it's a great investment. It's stamps.com. Enter crime writers. Well, I'm the boss. I consider myself told. Is there anything else that you want to tell us about, Kevin? Yeah, we have a really great new sponsor. It's the Great Courses Plus Video Learning Services. Maybe you've seen these guys. They've been around for forever, uh, and they have a huge library of courses and lectures taught by famous professors on every topic imaginable. It's like going back to college, except you know, this time you actually want to learn. <laughs> you can bring the beer if you want, but you know, maybe there's that history class or that uh, arts class. Uh, maybe you want to know more about micro or macro economics, and you can hear from some really great people like Neil deGrasse Tyson or the professor from the course I've been uh, watching, Joel Satori. He is a National Geographic photographer, and I have been watching the fundamentals of photography. Wait, is that why you've been chasing me around the house with a camera for the last yes, couple of weeks? <laughs> it's kind of like my homework. All right, now yeah, I we, know. We really want you Mystery to try solved. <laughs> We really want you to try the Great Courses Plus. Our listeners are getting a special chance to watch the fundamentals of photography and hundreds of other courses absolutely free. The course Fundamentals of Photography taught by professionals and he gives great tips on how to take better photos, everything from lighting and aperture and f-stop and stuff that you think you know but you're like you never Really I don't think together. I know any of that. Oh my god! Once you do, it's like enlightening, and then you can watch anything else um, that you want, as many different lectures as you want, anytime, anywhere. And now the Great Courses Plus is offering our listeners a chance to stream hundreds of their courses, including the Fundamentals of Photography, a two hundred thirty-five dollar value for free when you go to thegreatcoursesplus.com/crime. That's thegreatcoursesplus.com/crime. Now, getting back to the show, and thank you, Kevin, for those excellent ad reads. I want to listen now to a voice memo we got from a listener named Judy. She has a habit around our little show that we could all benefit from adopting. At least I know I could. So let's take a listen to Judy's voice memo right now. I thought you'd be interested to know that your podcast alone has kickstarted my New Year's exercise program. Each week, I anxiously await the release of your new episode, divided into two to three segments of 20 to 30 minutes, reserve listening to them for when I am on the treadmill only, and get to actually enjoy my exercise time. Your apologies regarding your super long episodes are not needed. As a matter of fact, I thank you for them. Your links to the specific books, podcasts, and audiobooks that you recommend for your listeners is greatly appreciated, as it is difficult to jot down the titles while putting in the steps. Thanks for an extremely informative as well as entirely enjoyable podcast. Every week we get a couple of dozen emails saying, can you please do another show where you run through your recommendations? What we're listening to, watching, reading, and now that serial's done, I think it's a good time to visit those recommendations. So I asked you guys to compile a list to talk about on this show, and I'd like to talk first about podcasts. Toby, is there a podcast that you're listening to right now? Tell us a little bit about it, if so. I listen to a bunch of podcasts. The one I was going to mention is You Must Remember This. It's about film history. You know, I haven't listened to all the episodes, but she did a season on Charles Manson and his relationship to the film and entertainment industry, which I thought was really, really interesting and in that it didn't really focus so much on, you know, sort of the serial killer cult leader Manson, but how he kind of intersected with people like Roman Polanski and Sharon Tate and and some other people in the film industry and how that eventually led to the murders at Robin Polanski's place. I thought it was really good and I certainly will listen to other seasons. So that's my recommendation. It sounds really good. It sounds something I would really like. What about you, Laura? Do you have a podcast recommendation? I started listening to Modern Love, which is a partnership podcast between WBUR and the New York Times. They have kind of celebrity guest readers reading 
readers submitted essays from the New York Times of the same name, Modern Love. And they're just kind of fun, short, little interesting stories. And it's not like a romance necessarily. You know, the first one was about a man kind of analyzing his daughter's goldfish's death. So it's it's interesting. And they're just fun little stories. They're well written. And then they have a little bit of commentary at the end. What about you, Kevin? Do you have a podcast recommendation for us? I'll tell you what I'm listening to. And I, it's not for everybody, but I really like it. It's by these two stand-up comedians and it's called Guys We Effed. But it's not actually called that. No, it's. can I say it? I might as <laughs> oh, well. I saw that today and I was like, what is that? that guys we, I heard that was really good. We say, that, guys We they, Fucked. Well, I mean, it is an anti-slut-shaming podcast, as I like to say. These are two very funny comedians and they talk about their sex lives. One's in a, a long-term relationship and the other's dating and they also take listener questions and they always have a guest who's usually another stand-up comedian. They're from New York, so they run in a lot of circles with a lot of very interesting people. But yeah, I mean, it's a little raunchy and I like that. But like I said, it's not for everybody, but I like it. It was a little bit of an acquired taste for me when I first started listening because they're like, they're a little much. They come at you, those girls do, but it's very funny. And they have like a, I do love the sex conversation is my favorite part of the show because it's a conversation that like nobody else is having that way. One of them, the episode that I heard recently, talking about like a dumb fight she got, and it was the one who's not in a relationship, was talking about the dumb fight she got into with the guy she's sleeping with about like, I think it was a Casper mattress, actually. They were had to take it out of the box. And she's yeah. like, why won't you just do it? Like, <laughs> And it was just really, really good. So I actually would recommend it, too. If you like listening to ladies who are funny, it's a good podcast. I'd recommend yeah, you it, You just too. don't listen in the car with the kids. No, it is not for the kids unless your kids are disgusting. So I have a podcast recommendation. And this feels like cheating to me because whenever I recommend a podcast that's already like at the top of the charts, I feel like it's a, a cheating uh, way of going about it. But my new favorite podcast, hands down, is a podcast called Embedded. It's by NPR. It's my favorite NPR reporter right now, Kelly McEvers, is taking a news story every week and then doing like a 30 or 40 minute story about something that hasn't been reported about the story, just going like a little bit deeper. So if you're going to listen to it, I'd recommend starting with episode two. The first episode is great, but to get a real flavor of the show and how it's sometimes fun in addition to being really interesting, listen to episode two. It's about that shootout in Waco, Texas at that bar between the biker gangs. And she decides to go and investigate like, what really happened? Like, why did the shooting start? What's the deal with these biker clubs? What are these people really like? You know, is it true that the cops fired some of the shots? And she actually, like, goes on a ride on a motorcycle with one of the bikers and, like, really, she gets into their parties and they won't let her tape. And there's a lot of transparency. You hear people hanging up on her. Like, it's really, really good. If you like Sarah Koenig, you will love Kelly McEvers and you should listen to the podcast Embedded. I cannot recommend it highly enough, especially if you like good journalism. So now we're going to move on to books. Kevin, yeah, what are you reading or what do you want to read? I'm actually reading a classic, The Thin Man by Dashiell Hammett, which is a detective story from the 1930s. I think it's really kind of cheeky and saucy a little bit. It's about these socialites, Nick Charles and his wife, Nora, and Nick is a former detective and he's trying to stay out of a homicide missing persons investigation. What I like about it is they're in New York City in the 30s and they're always drinking and it just seems like in every episode someone's making someone a drink and, <laughs> uh, you know, it's like, going to have another drink and sleep until and noon. Like, and you're like, why are you so thin? Yeah. Well, <laughs> they're looking for the thin man. Anyway, it's, you know, it's a classic and in some ways, Rebecca, I see I see you and I in the Charleses. I think they're probably more attractive and more cosmopolitan than well, we are. Well, there's the, yeah. <laughs> and thinner. <laughs> uh, what about you, Laura? What are you reading right now or listening to on audiobook? I'm going to recommend an animal mystery book because I know I have a lot of Twitter followers out there who are horse and cat people. And it is Outfoxed by Rita Mae Brown. It's set in Virginia hunt country and it's a fox hunting mystery. And it's got a lot of really great atmosphere about the fox hunting world and the land. And this part sounds a little odd, but it actually works. What I really love is that you can hear all the animals' thoughts. It's a great series. And and this is the first book in the series. Wait, you hear the animals like inner monologues in the book? Yes. Oh, it's hysterical, but it's great. So you have the fox's monologues and her dogs and the animals are big characters in the book. That sounds a little off, but it really works the way that she does it. I'm going to trust you that it works because it sounds insane. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. No, it's great. It's great. Is it sad like Watership Down? Because I, I don't like sad animal books. No, no, no. It's not sad. The animals sort of help solve some of the mystery. All right, good. That's a relief. All right. What about you, Toby? Do you have a book recommendation for us? Well, uh, I'm going to be reading a book called Of Better Blood by Susan Mosier, 
who is actually a friend of mine, and I've read early drafts of it, but it just came out fairly recently. It's a young adult book. It's about two young adults, and I think it's the 20s, if I'm remembering correctly, but the general theme is about eugenics, and it's gotten very positive reviews, and the early drafts I read were really interesting. It's been out for a few months, and I've been sort of putting it off because I think it's... for. For me, it's hard for me to read books by people I know if my writing isn't going very well. So I kind of had to get to the point where I was happy with the work that I'm doing. So it's been kind of sitting on my uh, nightstand. And now I'm really psyched to read it. She's a very good writer. And I will report back on Twitter as I go through it. I hope you report back to us about whatever writing it is that you're doing that's going pretty well right now. I will at some point. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, my book pick, I actually just finished this book last night. It's by a writer that we also know, but only through social media, really. We kind of know him online. That's Alex Segura. He has a great newsletter, by the way, which I would sign up for. If you like our show, you would love his newsletter. It's called Silent City. It's the first in what I hope is a long series of books. It's about a journalist turned detective named Pete Fernandez. It has a ton of Miami atmosphere. Lots and lots of drinking. Pete Fernandez is a mess, which I love. Lots of reporter stuff, lots of detective stuff. It reminds me a little bit of a kind of more masculine version of Laura Lippman's Tess Monahan series, because Tess Monahan is also a former reporter. The good news is that Alex's second book in the Pete Fernandez series came out this week. It's called Down the Darkest Street. If you like the excitement of reading like the first novel from a novelist, which I love, I love it when you read what somebody wrote and you know it's the first one and it's got like so much promise about what's to come, you would like Silent City. So I can recommend it very, very highly. All right, let's turn to the screen now. Things that you can watch on your TV. So I guess this is open to a television show or something you can download through a streaming service or something that's like just occupying your screen right now. Toby, I'm going to start with you. Well, I will recommend the TV show Billions. Yeah. That's very All good. Right. Yeah. Oh, I love that show. You're watching it too, Laura. I am. We should My do husband's it. even watching. It's a great show, right? Go ahead, Toby. What were you going to say about it before we stole all your thunder? (laughs) We've said it all already. Um, No, I I mean, I'm not all the way through it. It's about a U.S. attorney in New York City kind of going after a hedge fund guy who's this very charismatic guy from a poor background who's kind of built himself up in ways that are definitely like a little bit shady, although the illegality is not completely clear, at least where I'm at. It's just really interesting. Both the main characters, the U.S. attorney is definitely a flawed but interesting character, as is the guy who's going after, and a lot of plot turns, really good writing, really good acting. It's Paul Giamatti and... Uh, Damien, his, Damien Lewis. Damien Lewis, who was last seen playing Henry VIII. And Brody so, on Homeland. Yeah. Oh, and, oh. and the original Bo Bergdahl. <laughs> I mean, he's he's a great actor. So yeah, highly recommended. Highly recommended. I, what I love about that show is how it plays with the idea of protagonist. Like, you really don't know who to root for in that show in a way that is really confounding. Like, it's not like your typical anti-hero show. It's really good and very stylized. I can't think of another show. I mean, I know that you watch soap operas and other, like, evening dramas. People are supposed to be rich, right? Toby, have you ever seen a show where they did a better job showing what it actually looks like when someone has that much money? Uh, Dallas? Yeah, no. Not, no, <laughs> I no, I, I, I never watched Dallas. No, I think it's cool. I mean, I don't, you know, I'm not generally like attracted to the sort of lifestyles of the rich and famous type stuff in shows I watch. But I think it's interesting. And he's an interesting character in sort of, you know, there's things that are kind of competing for his soul, I guess. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he's got certain values that going from being poor to being rich. And I, I think some values stay the same. Some things change. Yeah. I just, I just think it's really well done. It is very, very well done. I think it's a little bit of a slow burner. So if you start watching Billions, stick with it. It's it's just super interesting and gets really good. All right, Laura, what are you watching and what do you want us to watch? Because it's something that you love. Oh, I'm going to get you all onto this. So Outlander season, the new season started last weekend. All right, and you, again, you're going to have to sell it. I'm not okay, sold yet. Well, Go. I mean, so I'm going to tell you, I was not sold when people describe this to me. They say, oh, it's about this woman and she was a nurse in World War II two and then she goes to Scotland on a second honeymoon and poof she gets sucked through these rocks like stone
Stonehenge into 1743. I'm like, yeah, okay, I'm really not into books like that. But this story is just, it's just fascinating. It's got a lot of historical drama. There's a big romance, obviously. You know, there's swords, there's people killing each other. It's just a very compelling story. And I love all the scenes of Scotland and the scenery and everything. And it's just something, it really sucks you in. Is it My wife for, loves it. It's addictive. And the books are like the, the, you know, it's based on a series of books and they're all like, you know, 600 pages long. Yeah, Diana Gabaldon is the writer yeah. of these books, right? Is this a, um, how do I say this without coming across? Is this a lady show? No, I will. You know what I'm going to tell you? <laughs> That's what I, I've heard. My <laughs> husband, again, who doesn't watch anything I watched, I was like, please, we need to find a show to watch together. So I said, why don't you watch this? And he was like, oh, it's not half bad. So I think because of all the sword fighting, the guys can justify watching it. All right. I only ask because I do think that's why we've never gone there because I tend to I think Kevin actually likes the lady shows a little bit more than I do <laughs> no honestly I think you do and maybe it's because you have a daughter and you can watch them together but like Kevin was into Downton Abbey way more than I was into Downton Abbey <laughs> yes or no uh maybe really wow <laughs> yeah yeah he likes the lady shows that's okay, why maybe. I was asking because I feel like maybe Kevin would be into it if it is in fact a lady show all right Kevin what do you recommend that's on the TV right now I've been watching Bosch on Amazon Prime. It's a controversial show in our house. <laughs> well, maybe you don't like it as much as I do. Well, why don't you talk but about it? You were like bit. that way with Billions. That's true. At first I was, and then I grew There's to love a, it. Yeah. It's a cop show set in Los Angeles, and the lead is an actor called Titus Welliver. Great actor. He's, he's one of those like character actors that you've seen in a million things, like Gone Baby Gone. He was in Deadwood. He was on Lost. He was, if you, I think, what is the, is it Verizon Business or yeah. Comcast Business? He, he's kind of like a J.K. Simmons type where he plays a lot of side characters and he's in a lot of commercials. Yeah. But here as a lead, he is so interesting to watch. This season two just came out a couple of weeks ago on Prime and the story, you know, the cop stories are really good. And it's one of the few, you know, all the different like crime stuff set in Los Angeles. The atmosphere is... And it's really hard to pin down. It's hard to do atmosphere you know, in L.A. Yeah, yeah, you know, like in New York, there's sort of, there's a certain kind of... You can be like five New Yorks, yeah. Yeah, but this one, I think, you know, it's a lot of the night scenes under the halogen streetlights and stuff like that. It just, it, it gives it a different sense of place than I've seen before. Mm -hmm. But I just think, he, you know, the lead character of Bosch, he just... He's very, like, intense. There's a lot more sort of brewing behind his eyes than is, you know, expressed in, you know, just pulling a gun and cuffing people. And that's one of the reasons I like it. Yeah, but it is controversial in our house. To me, there's something about it that's a little off. Are you talking about his <laughs> bubble butt? No. His, his mom jeans? No, there, there's a mom jeans He doesn't have a bubble component. butt. He's got, like, a very kind of flat The butt. costume is a little weird. The costume is a little weird. But also the pacing of the dialogue. You don't like the hemp bracelet. I don't here. like the writing. It's a character thing. I don't like the writing. You forgive the show for its flaws because you love the style. And for me, it's like, I like the style enough to keep watching You don't like it. the dialogue? Yeah. Or something. I don't know. But I, I'm yeah. still watching it. So how can, yeah. can I really complain? Hey, listen. I watch episodes of SVU that I've seen 700 times. I know. Yeah. And every piece of dialogue in every Law & Order episode, you could basically do like mix and match dialogue between episodes. So who am I to talk about like dialogue, like not being the best ever, right? All right. Well, my uh, recommendations for TV right now, aka the greatest show on television right now, The Americans, is back. If you have not watched The Americans, I cannot stress to you enough how much you need to go back, get it on demand, watch it. It is on FX. It is edgy. It is a period story. It takes place in the early 1980s. So there are things that you kind of know or remember happened. Carrie Russell is a revelation in this show, The Americans. It is really dirty for uh, basic cable TV. There's some pretty uh, edgy scenes, but it is a super compelling story that they have somehow managed to keep the tension in. It's about embedded Russian spies living in the United States as an American couple, and they have had kids in the United States. There's a lot of conflict between their sort of Russian identity and also what it's like to be an American. And there's lots of crazy, crazy spy stuff, lots of Reagan-era stuff. It's, it's fascinating, absolutely fascinating. All right, so one thing that we gave you guys an opportunity to do was choose a grab bag item from any genre of media, something else you want to recommend or that you're hoping to watch or listen to or read. Toby, I'm going to start with you. What is your grab bag item of the week? Okay, it's a documentary movie. It's called Yodorowsky's Dune. That's Yodorowsky with a J. It's about this guy. He was making movies in Mexico. He made a movie called Holy Mountain in the 60s. Very psychedelic, very strange. 
and he got the rights to make a movie of Frank Herbert's Dune, and it never was made. And this documentary is about sort of the steps he made towards making this movie, and it's just absolutely outlandishly ambitious. But it sets the tone and actually is, you know, in some ways, the plans that he came up with ended up in movies like Alien and Star Wars and, and things like that. So even though it never got made, it ended up being highly influential. I'm not doing a very good job of selling it. I no, know. you are. You Believe it or not, I am a huge fan of Frank Herbert's Dune. I read it when I was a kid. I read it again when I was an adult. And that movie that was made of Dune is the worst movie, like one of yeah. the worst movies ever made. That scene of Kyle McLaughlin riding the giant worm around is just absurd. <laughs> so I'm really interested in this documentary, and I am definitely going to check it out. Even if you go and you, like, Google it, yeah. like, you'll see there's, like, really interesting art that was created for this movie that was never made. And so there are these websites where you can see the art and that kind of gives you an idea of just how kind of strange the whole thing is. But I, I thought it was totally compelling. Kevin, what's your grab bag media item of the week? I'm got to go at Game of Thrones. Oh, that's not grab bag. We're all waiting for that. Yeah. You know, I think you got to see is Jon Snow alive or dead. I think he comes back to life. So I do think I. he's resurrected because well, actually what's really interesting about Game of Thrones now and whether you've gotten into it up to this point is the audience is split among the people who read all the books and know everything that's coming and are shitty to the people who haven't read the books. Super shitty to us. You know, like, oh, you didn't know that was going to have Red Wedding Surprise. <laughs> uh, but now, for the most part, the show has caught up to the books and it's going in, I don't say a new direction, but it's going beyond the books. So anything is a surprise. Anybody could die. New characters could come in. It could go in a completely different direction. And who gets the Iron Throne on the TV show could be very different from who George R. R. Martin eventually puts on there when he finishes writing all the books in 20 years. <laughs> so but I'm actually really excited about it because, you know, I just I, I have a lot of hope that some of these stories are going to get they, I think a lot of the things that they did when you compare the book to the TV show, I think the TV show always improved on it. Yeah. With a little more character development or a little twist or something like that where I said, oh, you know, almost like if another editor came along and gave George an idea about saying, you know, what would be really good is if what if this guy were gay and having an affair with, you know, the young king? And like, yeah, that's a what if this one? There was a couple of little things that they were like really smart and added a bunch of depth and tension to the story that, that wasn't there right. in the source material. So anyway, GOT. I'm looking forward to GOT as well because we have a little bit of a ritual around watching it as well. We play games. And then we watch Thrones. Games of Thrones, yes. <laughs> All right. My grab bag pick is another podcast I am just loving right now. It's called Beautiful Stories from Anonymous People, a.k.a. Beautiful Anonymous. It's hosted by a comedian named Chris Gethard. And every week he opens the phone line to one anonymous caller. He can't hang up first. He talks to them for an hour. And no matter what they talk about, he stays in the conversation. He's like all in. It's really good. Some of them are confessional. Some of them have family secrets. Some of them are more like like therapy sessions. This American Life excerpted one of his episodes in their show last week. That's how I started listening to Beautiful Anonymous. I can't recommend it highly enough. It is really just fantastic. So, Laura, what is your grab bag media pick recommendation this week? Well, you know, a few months ago, I recommended River on Netflix. And when I finished that, I loved it. And I set out on Twitter and asked people what I should watch. And somebody recommended The Last Tango in Halifax, which is a BBC series you can get on Netflix. sexy. <laughs> I, it's, it's not so, like Last Tango in Paris. No, it's the Last Tango in Halifax. It's kind of a romantic drama, but it's it's great. It's uh, about a couple in their 70s that were kind of interested in each other when they were kids and they lost touch and they reconnect on Facebook. But it's all about their, you know, associated families. And it's it's very fun. And I liked it because the woman that was the detective's partner in River Nicola Walker, the actress, she's also in this and she's she's very good in this. So that was that was a good one. And there's three seasons. So it's not a huge commitment because their seasons are only like six episodes long. So you can finish it up. That is what's good about the BBC series. Kevin, what's that series that we just started watching, that BBC series? It's filmed in both Welsh and the English. Hinterland? Hinterland. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, we just started watching that. And it's so great that it's only like six episodes. You just feel sort of like to kind of do it. You power like, through them. Power through it. So, Toby, you've watched Hinterland? Yeah. Do you I watch did, it in English you know, or Welsh? Did I watch it in English or Welsh? Yeah. 
<laughs> I, I watched it once in each to make sure that the translation was correct. <laughs> well, well that's, what's, that's what's interesting about the that's what's interesting about the show is that they actually filmed the scenes. They filmed it in Welsh and then they filmed it in English because they actually knew they were going to be oh. releasing it to two audiences. And so the actors, I guess, are all. They all also speak Welsh, I guess. I don't know. Anyway, what were you going to say, Toby, about Hinterland? There's like, what is there, like six episodes? Yeah. And I thought, it's one of those things where like two are great, and then two are, are really good, and then there was a couple that I didn't think were quite up to the same quality. But they were really, really good, good in Welsh, though. That was the problem. Yeah, exactly. I think a second season just came out. I think so, too. And I have to tell you, and I know that we might be more AV-oriented than our fellow podcasters, but we did get a 4G TV, and Netflix stuff is filmed in 4G. Is it 4 What is it called? 4K. Oh, okay. 4G? <laughs> you're thinking about your phone. I don't know. Yeah, you're so technologically advanced, It's Rebecca. not me. It's you. You're like the captain of the AV club in I high school. I didn't need to buy the TV. You're <laughs> We're like, we need to get this TV so we can anyway, move this other TV. But the Netflix stuff is actually filmed in 4K. Yeah, and some Prime stuff is and so Ultra it's, HD. And so it's beautiful. Bosch looks great. Uh, House of Cards House looks great. House of Cards, the opening sequence to House of Cards on this 4K TV is like the most beautiful thing. And Hinterland is like astonishingly beautiful. Yeah, if you like 4K stuff, then you should go into Best Buy and watch the thing that loops through. Because essentially in the world, that's about the only thing that's ever <laughs> been shot in 4K. <laughs> you can't get it anywhere except a couple of Netflix. That and House of Cards and uh, yeah. apparently Hinterland. Bloodline was shot in 4K. All right, so now let's move to my favorite part of this podcast, a little thing I like to call the crime, crime of, of the week. week. That's loud when you yell that in this closet, Kevin. <laughs> I'm going to start this crime of the week a little bit differently. We're going to listen to a little something. I'm just going to roll it. Australia is a wonderful island with a treasure trove of unique plants, animals, and people. It has to be protected. Australia is free of many pests and diseases that are commonplace around the world. That is why Australia has to have such strong biosecurity laws. And Australians are just as unique, both warm and direct. When you disrespect Australian law, they will tell you firmly. I am truly sorry that Pistol and Boo were not declared. Protecting Australia is important. Declare everything when you enter Australia. That was the sound of the end of Australia's long national nightmare. <laughs> After a campaign of bluster that threatened diplomatic relations, Johnny Depp and his wife Amber Heard have officially apologized in that super, super awkward video to the government for failing to declare their dogs when they arrived on the continent via private jet last year. You may not have heard it unless you live in Australia, but the couple were threatened with all sorts of criminal charges when it was learned that their Yorkshire Terriers were essentially smuggled into the country while Depp was there to shoot a Pirates of the Caribbean movie. Fanning the flames of the situation was Australian Agricultural Minister Barnaby Joyce, who threatened to have Pistol and Boo. <laughs> yeah, and that's the name of uh, Johnny Depp's dogs, Pistol and Boo, euthanized unless they left the country in Jeez. 72 hours. Jeez. Even after they left, Joyce was all over the news pummeling the stars for breaking the country's biosecurity laws. He's been mocked by many Australians for his war on terrier. Or so they call it. <laughs> yeah. This, <laughs> That's clever. This week, Heard got a one-month probation and paid an $800 fine after the couple gave this somber-faced video apology. Even this humiliation did not please Minister Joyce, who said it went over, quote, like a frog in a sock. What? All right. Wow. Now, I know that you guys are pet people, although we don't know quite to what extent Toby is. And maybe, Toby, when you answer this question, it will uh, fill us in. Where would you want to take your pet so badly that you would risk prosecution to do it? I've been thinking about this all day. Mm -hmm. Where would I go that I would rather have one or both of my cats with me? Well, tell us a little bit about your cats first. We don't really know about your cats. We know about Stampy, right? Yeah. yeah. So what well, are your cats' it, names, Toby? Well, you just have to keep in mind the age of my children when they were named. <laughs> um, so one of them is Hunter, and he's kind of a fat orange male cat uh -huh. who lies around the house and occasionally attacks his sister. And then the other one is called Littlefoot. She's very fluffy and weighs just about nothing, and she is a killing machine. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, 
she just goes out and she just she just kills and you know she's she's like she's probably twice the size of a squirrel and she just she kills squirrels you know oh it's like it's like watching a lion take down an antelope by scale and uh, so I think it's 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 pets like her damn funniest thing ever that that Australia's concerned about right right because if you let her loose a bunch of duck billed platypus right right there go the quokas <laughs> yeah so um <laughs> the long and short of it is would i be willing to go to jail to take my cats anywhere yeah that's, uh, that's just little foot the murderer it's not quite little foot the, machine. The, the psychotic <laughs> she's very sweet natured around people you know what the other thing i learned was this is i'm getting totally off topic but i thought it was kind of interesting cats don't meow at each other mm-hmm. huh. they only meow at people because they're manipulative oh exactly and they also when they rub against you it's not because they're showing affection to you it's because they are making you show affection to them i would uh i would dispute that <laughs> <laughs> is there scientists do you have do you have papers you can point me to? I don't on uh, hand, no. Maybe you should take a great courses, Kobe. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't I don't really know History how to answer. killer cats. <laughs> I'm worried about the damage that she would do to any environment I took her to. Mm-hmm. So I guess I would be willing to uh, risk incarceration. I don't know. Take him to Barcelona, Spain. How about that? <laughs> Not bad. I'll take it. I'll we have take listeners it. in Barcelona. They'll put you up. I'd like to go to Barcelona, and why not bring my cat? All right, Laura, uh, Stampy the cat. Is Stampy your only cat, by the way? No, and I have I have some news here at my house. We have two cats. We have Stampy and Zelda, okay. um, and Zelda is the cat that's afraid of life, but we have a new addition to our household. <gasps> oh? Yeah. We have a dog now. Wow! I know. So Buddy the dog has come to live with us. It's very exciting. So, so anyway, I asked my son if he would answer this question for us, because Buddy and he are like attached right now like the dog sleeps on him they ride the bike around together all this stuff the dog um, rides a bike well he follows the bike oh, okay. Okay. It's, it's, yeah. oh not as good a story it's, but keep going it's not as good well it's it, the story <laughs> is we have this trail behind our house that goes to conservation land and my son insists on riding his bike even though there's like trees down so it's sort of like crossfit workout because he like rides the bike picks it up lifts it over the trees it's a whole big thing so he said he would risk going to jail to sneak buddy the dog either into school we're onto a beach where dogs were not allowed mm. because he knew the dog would Ooh. love to go in the water. How about you, Kevin? We have two beloved dogs here, uh, one more beloved than the other, as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> we have one dog, if you follow me on Twitter, who you see all the time on social media, and then people find out we have a second dog, and they're amazed that to find out that we have a second dog. Where would you risk prosecution to bring one or both of our dogs? Well, first, let me just ask the panel, who looked more uncomfortable in their video, Bo Bergdahl or Johnny Depp and Amber Heard? <laughs> I think Bo Bergdahl seemed a lot more natural than Johnny Depp. Can we talk about like what happened to Johnny Depp's accent? Like he's American, right? Yeah. <laughs> What's the same thing happened to Madonna and, and Tina Turner? Yeah. I, mean, I don't know. It's it's worse. It's way worse. It's worse. You know, I don't know. We have two great dogs. We've got uh, Stuart. We've got one great dog. Okay, we've got one great dog. That's Stuart, our Wheaton Terrier. Uh, we've got a bitch. <laughs> And her name, hey, no, I, I'm just, I it's a exactly. fact. She is a bitch, and her name is Brighty. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, where would I take them? Uh, the movies? That's a good answer. That's a good I'd answer. Take them, you know, if they could just sit on me, you know, I could just, like, pet them while watching Batman versus Superman. I don't know. <laughs> you know, I actually would you like be the, arrested I, for that? It depends on how I'm petting them, I guess. No, I think I guess I'd, that's true. I'd, like to, I'd love to take them to the beach. I actually think that would be kind of fun. Well, good news for you. We actually are taking our dogs to the beach this summer because that place that we rented in Maine, mm-hmm. I paid the dog deposit, so we can take them. Fantastic. Right? All you right. can chase them, though, when they don't come back. And I will uh, pick up Littlefoot on the way. <laughs> <laughs> Let her loose. Littlefoot will kill all the mosquitoes around the campfire. Oh. It'll be a good time. <laughs> and maybe Buddy the dog can come well. As where well. would you take the dogs yeah. that, you know, under threat of arrest or humiliating PSA video? Well, I don't know, but I will tell you this. I once snuck one of our dogs, not the good one, into a place I used to work, and she took a giant crap in my boss's office. <laughs> <laughs> she was a horrible uh, boss. And let's too. just say, with the way that work situation worked out, it's kind of a good story that redeems our little bitchy dog for me every time I think about Did it. You- 
clean it up or did you just leave it? I cleaned it up, but I always knew. But the smell lingers. I knew from that every single day from that moment on uh, when my boss would walk into her office, I would go, that's the spot. <laughs> 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 All right. Well, I think we'll end it on that note. Toby, if our listeners want to follow you on Twitter, tweet with you, how can they do that? At NH. Toby, are you on any other social media? Instagram, perhaps? Uh, no. I'm on Facebook. <laughs> All right. Laura Bricker. Instagram. Instagram. That's the thing. I'm on Instagram, and you know, I want our listeners to follow us there. I'm Reb Lavoie on Instagram, just like I'm Reb Lavoie on Twitter. Hey, Easy don't jump the line. I won't jump the Should line. Should I get an Instagram account? It's where all the cool podcasters are. Laura, what about you? Do you have an Instagram? I do not, no. <laughs> I have a Facebook author page oh, um, right. that I occasionally update, but right. uh, no, I'm mostly on Twitter. How can people find you on Twitter? At Laura Bricker, L-A-R-A. What about you, Kevin? If our listeners want to tweet with you, how can they do that? I am at Kevin P. Flynn. And you're on the Instagram, correct? I am. I don't know what my handle is. It's at Kevin P. Flynn. Is it? <laughs> yes, it's the I same. Don't know if people want to to see photos of what I had for breakfast. You're not Instagramming that. You're going to be Instagramming pictures of uh, your dog at the movies. Your dog. Yeah. yeah. If you want to see which you want to see my bitch. And by that I do mean my dog, Brady. You could I guess go to Instagram. And if you want to send me a tweet or follow me on Instagram, you can find me at Reb Lavoy. Our little show is also on Twitter at Crime Writers On. So send us your questions or comments in a tweet or send us a voice memo. The directions for how to do that are posted on our website, Crime writersoncom While you're there, you can sign up for our awesome newsletter, make a PayPal donation, or use our Amazon link. And if you love the show, please do leave a review on iTunes. It helps new listeners find out all about us. Our theme music was performed by the New York Sky Jazz Ensemble and used with their permission. And this show was recorded in Studio C in our basement. Yeah, basement! <laughs> on behalf of all the crime writers, thanks so much for listening. We will catch you later. So joining me now to tackle those two tasks is my true crime co-author and real-life husband, Kevin Flynn. Hello, Kevin. Hello, Rebecca. Toby, is there a podcast that you're listening to right now? Tell us a little bit about it, if so. I listen to a bunch of podcasts. The one I was going to mention is You Remember This. You Must Remember This. Say it again. About, um, Isn't it You Must Remember This? Like what in Casablanca? You said You Remember This. You better fucking remember this. <laughs> uh, it's what it's dad says. Must- Buxom, show some skin, weightless foundation, SPF 30, almond the nude, natural, sorry, fuck. All right, starting again. <laughs> <laughs>